Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I have to tell you something, people. It does not fail every year in either July or August. But right now, we're in the beginning of August. I get a summer cold. And it's not one of those colds. Like, it doesn't affect my head. It affects my chest. And it gives me the worst cough. And what I hate about it is... Joanne, she she has very sensitive ears and she's always like, oh my God, that cough is so loud. So at night, when I wake up and have to cough, I don't want to cough out loud because I don't want to wake her up. So I cough into the pillow. Then I'm thinking, as I cough into the pillow, I'm just sleeping on the pillow and I'm, I'm never going to get better. And the cough is so bad today, this is no lie, that our showers, are, are both, both bathrooms, upstairs and down, are very, they're very... um. They have loud fans. I don't notice it, but she does. And so this morning, she was in the shower, and she could actually hear me coughing. And I tried to blame it on the birds outside, but it didn't fly. So anyway, I have my Ricola, so I'm going to be good. And we have a great guest. And um, my guest is Keith Powell. How you doing, Keith? How's it going? Good. Hey, I did not know you were from the Philadelphia area. I am. I am. I'm a Philly boy. I grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, right across the bridge. That's amazing. Yes, I... I dated a girl or two from Cherry Hill. Most people did. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, as you were, you were you were born in Philly. Now, how long did you live there? Um. Well, I had a, a bit of a weird track. Um, I was born in Philly and stayed there for you know a lot of my childhood, um, and then I moved to California. Um, and then I lived in California for most of my elementary school years. And then moved back to the East Coast for middle school and high school, but I moved right outside of Philly into Delaware. Now, now as a kid, did you always act, because I know you've, you've done a lot in theater and you've been involved in this business for a long time. When did you know you wanted to act or, or be funny, or when did you know you had talent? I mean, at what age did this start, talent start coming out, or what age did you know that you said, hey, I want to do this? Oh, wow. Um, what age? Well, I feel like I, I, I've been, um, I feel like I, I wanted to do it. Well, see, here's the deal. I was born in a house uh, where I was an only child. I was the youngest, and it was a house full of women, so I was the only male. So I always feel like I was always at, at like the center of attention. So I think that a lot of that has to do with um, the fact that I wanted to become a performer, because I was always in the center of attention. Um. So I don't know. I mean, I, I I wanted to do it for sure um, when I went to college. I went to NYU, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, like that moment when I said when a spark happened and I went, "Oh, I want to do this for the rest of my life." I just always, I was always a, uh, I always wanted to perform um, ever since I can remember, really. When did you actually start performing? I mean, were you a child actor doing plays? Were you in the school plays? Oh, I mean, yeah, I did. I, I did a lot of plays in high school, um, and um, uh, so I would say high school is when I started performing. Um, and I wanted to do. I wanted to do television and movies. You know, even then, and uh, I. I would say that. Um. I wasn't. I didn't get my first professional job until I was nineteen. I did a Wendy's commercial at nineteen, and I think that was the first professional thing I ever did as an actor. That must have been great. I mean, you know, I mean, especially a, a commercial at that age. It must have been a cool uh, feeling. Was it one of your first auditions, or had you been auditioning? 
Oh God, no! I had been auditioning for about a, about two years by that point. Um, so I might have been twenty because a manager saw me in a play my freshman year of college, and then he started sending me out on auditions. And it took about two years of steady auditioning before I booked my first commercial, and it was a rough two years. It was it was rough, but you know, like you're a kid, you, so you just get knocked down and get back up again. You know. Now, how did you decide to go to NYU? What would, did you have other choices, or did, was that your first choice, or were you saying um, you're going? I want to follow this, and this is the best place to be at. Yeah. Um, boy. Um, these are these are questions I haven't thought about in a while. So so forgive me for being inarticulate about it. Oh, it's all it's all right. I just I like to do my research. I just like to talk. I love this. So. No, no, no. I love it. I love it. Um, I think I always wanted to go to NYU. I, NYU had like especially in the nineties. NYU was a very mythic, romantic place, and um, and I think that I was just caught up in the romanticism of going to like living in New York City and going to NYU. Um, so I, I, I even in, in high school I wanted to go to NYU. I, I was accepted into Carnegie Mellon um, and uh, Hofstra. Those are, I only applied to three schools. I applied to four schools. I, I did not get accepted into Juilliard. Um, but uh, so I only applied to four schools. Three of them, you know, accepted me. And it just always seemed like NYU was a no-brainer for me. So you go through the program. Yeah. You graduate. Yeah. yeah. And then what do you decide to do? Because I know I've talked to a lot of people who have gone to theater, you know, gone to school like NYU, and they yeah. they want to do theater, and but then they just find out it's so hard to make a living doing theater, and you know things happen. Right. What what did you? What was your path once you got out of once you got out of college? You already had a commercial under your belt. So what, what was yeah? Was it? it it was a it was a very oh I can tell you all about that path um because um, it was really interesting of how I I was able to build a career um when I graduated from from NYU I um got hired doing an educational theater tour um and. I went around to public schools performing in plays that were basically anti-bullying plays. <clears throat> and that was a full-time job. And that was my job. And I was, you know, really proud of that. You know, I was 21. And, um, and then right after that, I got booked in um, my first regional theater job, which was um, uh, Shakespeare, uh, doing a, a, a um, Romeo and Juliet at the Shakespeare Theater in Washington, D.C. So I moved down to D.C., I did that play, and then while I was in D.C., <clears throat> my grandmother, uh, who was one of my parents, I grew up in a house with my mother, my grandmother, and my two aunts, who are like closer to my age, so they're like my sisters. Okay. Uh, but my grandmother, who was one of my parents, got terminally ill. And instead of going back to New York City to kind of continue to audition, I went to Delaware um, to take care of her in the last two years of her life. And um, I and you know I would drive up on the train every now and then to audition for 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 stuff um, in 
New York, and you know, I think I booked a Law and Order during that time. And so you know, I would go up to New York in those two years to do something, you know, for a day or or three days or something like that. But nothing crazy. I, I pretty much put my career on hold. And um, uh, and then when she passed away, I I was so bored in Delaware, not doing anything, that I started a theater company, and I performed the first play in our theater company a year to the day uh, after she passed away and that first person who uh, was in that first play uh, that I produced in Delaware was uh, an actress named Lynn Redgrave oh wow okay that's that's yeah. that's just not an actress that's that's an actress I'm sorry a legend <laughs> now how did that how did that get where you got her to produce this because you're not you're you're not really a known name no, I mean, it's, it's Lynn Redgrave. How, what was the process for you to get a Lynn Redgrave on your first play? Oh, um, probably a lot of lying. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, um, I, 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 uh, I remember it being a really difficult process for me. Um, and I remember getting a lot of shit for it. And I, I remember Lynn yelling at me a lot and me fucking up a lot. And... Um, but she, you know, I raised, you know, I spent a year raising money to produce one play and I, and I went around to Delaware and, and I had a simple mission and my mission was if, um, I, I, I took, you know, some prominent person who sat on a board in the arts out to lunch and I said, I, I said to that person, I don't want you to give me, uh, any money yet all I want for you to do is give me the names of two other people I can take to lunch okay and so I did that for a year <clears throat> and then so when it came time to do our first play I had enough money to pay Lynn to pay somebody like Elin Redgrave really well and so I placed a call to her manager and it turned out that there was a hole in her schedule and um, and then I had and I could afford it and I had the money um, and I went to all my donors all the people who I took out to lunch and said Lynn Redgrave's coming give me money to, to help her come um, but I, I, I fucked up a lot throughout that whole time so I, there was a lot of um, consternation and, and, and craziness that kind of surrounded it all but you know she came she believed me and she came and, and she delivered it was that was like my graduate school it was that performance her performance in that play was one of the, the best um, that I think I've ever seen her do on film or, or on stage. So, What was it like opening night? Because, I mean, I always ask people who produce movies and, you know, and all of a sudden the movies that, let's say, Sundance or right. plays, you know, actors. But this is, you, you've worked your ass off. I mean, it's been a year. You yeah. know, you yeah. have a, a name. It's not like you're I, doing summer stock with, you yeah. know, Sally Star or someone. And it was, a, it was like in the middle of Delaware, which was the whole thing that was so weird about, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, um, you know, I, I, I think I was really nervous. I think I, because again, I, I can't emphasize this enough. I was fucking up a lot. Right. How, <laughs> how, are, you, how are you fucking up? Well, like, you know, I, uh, I, I, like, we couldn't, we didn't have enough people on our opening night, and, you know, our ticket sales weren't doing well, and, and, you know, the support that Lynn needed backstage wasn't happening as much as it should have, and I, and my, my, I, you know, our publicity 
didn't really go as as brilliantly as I had hoped. And you know, um, I, you know, there was there was some. Um, I think there were some challenges with lens, um, a hotel accommodations. You know, just just random day to day producerial things that you learn better when you're twenty. You know, when when you're not 23, right? Had life experiences, you know. Um, but Lynn was always very, you know, when she when Lynn wasn't calling me a fucking idiot, she was calling me a fucking genius, and so she understood. <laughs> she understood what I was doing and the vision behind the whole thing. So I think on that opening night, I was just glad that we finally like pushed the boulder up the hill. You know. Yeah. And, that like that people could watch it um, after all that craziness. Did it have good? Did people enjoy what, like, when they walked out? Did you have the yep. feel good vibe? And you said, "Okay, man, you know what? Yep. All this, all this shit I've been going through is well worth it." It was infinitely worth it. Um, um, it was. Uh, it, it. I honestly think that it was the 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 best thing that had ever had that ever happened to my career. Um, to do that, so um, it was it was an extra, it was extraordinarily productive, uh, and and I was very proud of it. And the pr- production was, I'm sorry, fucking amazing. It was outstanding. And um, Lynn's performance, like I said, was one of the best I've ever seen her do. She won an award for it. She won a Barrymore Award. There was another actress in the play that also won an award for it. So um, uh, it was relatively successful. So, so you have this under your belt, and now yeah. where do you want to go now? I mean, do you sit there? You've had commercial. You've done some commercials. You've acted. You've done this. You have a lot of shit going on for a twenty-three-year-old. I mean, when you right. think about it. So, right. where? How do you start to focus? Because you know, when we're twenty-three, we can never focus, especially. Right. You know, and we get a little cocky. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I used to stand up comedy, and you know, you have a good set when you're 23. You think you're the king of the world. It's the best and, thing that ever happened to you. And then you yeah. go eat shit in the Late Show, and you go, right. "Oh yeah, maybe I'm not that good." Where right, do you go right. from here? Because you just you had this accomplishment. You had a star. I mean, a legend. You 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 know, as yeah. producer, you've you've you hit a home run. Your first at bat. Where do you go from there? Well, um, I, I I kept producing. And then I then I, I started directing, and then I then I um, at the same theater company. So I just kept going, um, and we had some major failures. We had one failure, uh, one production that pretty much financially ruined the company because <clears throat> it was a gigantic gamble. Um, it was it was a play about cold fusion during the summer in the middle of you know, in an, an inner city, right. pretty much. So, you know, it didn't, it didn't work. <laughs> um, but, but, but during that time, I, uh, there was one play that was working that I, I think that I, I had produced, I had directed a play at this company um, that starred um, Keith David and Jasmine Guy, and it was going to go on a national tour. And, uh, I was going to go with it, but I was roughing it out, and I decided that I wanted to go, get, go back into acting. Um, so I was mostly roughing it out in Los Angeles on on a friend's couch, and um, 
uh, and uh, but I flew back home, uh, back to New York, to fire a set designer from this tour. Um, and I went into it. I had never fired anybody before. By this point in time, I'm 25. I had never fired anybody before, and so I wrote a "It's not you, it's me" letter. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't find him. I couldn't get in touch with him, and so I went to his agent. And his agent said, what are you doing right now? And I said, well, you know, I'm about to fly back to Los Angeles. I'm going to rough it out. I, I want to get back into acting. You know, I was doing pretty well at it until, you know, this theater company got in the way. And he said, well, while you're in New York, do you want to audition for something? And I said, sure. And the first and only thing he sent me out on was 30 Rock. Now, did you know who was all connected to that when you were going out for the audition? Or was it just one of those auditions that they said... It's a TV show, or what did you know? It about? was it was it was the Untitled Tina Fey project, and they did not have Alec at the time, so I knew who Tina Fey was because um, a Mean Girls, um, but and I knew she was on Saturday Night Live, but I didn't really know anything about her besides that. And so yeah, I just it was just an audition. I just walked into the audition, and I just kind of like you know I fucking winged it. You know what I mean, like. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and, I, and thankfully she found something, you know, good in me. Was she at the audition, your first audition? She was not at my first one. She was at my second and third. And then there was a table read um, uh, with Lauren Michaels. And that's when I got the part. Now, what's that like? I mean, you think about it, as you say, and I always, I, I've noticed this talking to a lot of people that there are certain Weird, not weird, but breaks that happen. And of course, when that break happens, the person's always prepared. But for you, I mean, how random is it that you go back to fire somebody and then you get this opportunity? What is it like after you get the first audition when you get the call back? Are you still sitting there going, I'm just going to wing it? Because you're you're probably sort of not really taking it seriously. We have to understand, Steve, like we don't, human beings don't realize the opportunities that they're given in the time that they're given it. Okay. Right? Like, only in hindsight do I realize that this was, like, an amazing coup, right? At the time, I was just worried about, like, not looking like an idiot, <laughs> you know? And um, and then, like, when, you know, Lorne Michaels said two words to me. Lorne Michaels said, good job. And that was it. And, and so I was just like, all right, does that, when he said good job, does he mean good job or does he mean like bad job? I'm just going to, like, that's all I could think about at that point in time. Wait, and you also have to must be going through your head, you know, and I, you know, you're probably going, well, wait a second, they keep calling me back. This is good. And you also right. must be thinking, okay, if they, you know. They keep calling me back. Why haven't they hired me? Yeah, exactly. And also going, you know, this is going to change my life financially. I No, 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 no. Not at the time. Because at the time, they hired me as a day player. Okay. And, you know, I was, a, and I just worked every day. But it was just, you know, it was a small part. They said that it was going to be a series regular if the show got picked up. Um, but I wasn't thinking that way because I never thought the show was going to get picked up. Why didn't you think it was going to get picked up? I mean, you have Lauren Michaels behind it. It's NBC. Oh, God, dude. You have to remember at the time... Aaron Sorkin had the hot pilot. Aaron Sorkin yeah. had Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. And it was about the exact same thing as 30 Rock. And it was on the same network. 
So when both shows went to pilot, everybody was like, well, this is never going to see the light of day. Studio 60 is going to, is the hot show. And NBC paid buckets and buckets and buckets of money for it. Right? So they were not going to not pick it up. And they're not going to pick up two shows that have the exact same premise on the exact same network. So none of us thought it. None of us thought it was. And to be quite honest with you, and I think that Tina would agree with you, um, the pilot for Thirty Rock went through so many rewrites and so many drafts, and got you know, and had it was attacked with so many network notes that it was indistinguishable. Like it was not good. And so you're you're. So all of us are thinking we're doing this pilot that has been noted to death, um, and we're up against Goliath, who is you know like fucking Aaron Sorkin just coming off the West Wing, right? <laughs> with like the biggest like fucking pilot commitment in in television history about the exact same premise that we're doing. Of course they're going to get, it, and we're not going to get anything. So, you know, we didn't think we were going to get picked up. So when did you find out you get picked up? I mean, was it, I mean, and how is that whole thing happening? I mean, you must have been like, oh my God, we actually got picked up. Yeah, because, and again, this is like one of those things where like people don't realize the, uh, the remarkable thing in history that's happening while it's happening. Because when it got picked up, I was sitting there going, all right, are they going to ask me back? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I wasn't even thinking like, oh my God, we got picked up. I was thinking, oh, great, that's one hurdle down. Now 800 other hurdles I have to, like, are they going to ask me back? Am I going to be a series regular? Is the show going to bomb before it even airs? Are they, you know what I mean? Like, there was just so many unknowns. None of us knew that we were making a show that would go down in history for anything. Do you know? Yeah, so so you... We were just scared. Yeah, plus when you were all young, and for you, it's one of your... It's your big, I mean, it's your it's, one of your first breaks. I mean, you know, you've done some little it's stuff. My big break. No, it is my big break. I just didn't know it at the time. So so it gets picked up, and you're a day player, which is, that's funny. That's the same thing that happened to Jim O'Hare on uh, Parks and Recreation. Yeah. He was yeah. a day player for like two years, but he's like, holy shit, I'm here every day. And finally exactly. they said, okay, you're the brass ring. You're a series regular. You were a day player for two years? Uh, for one year. Okay. Um, I no, I was a, I was a guest star, so I I would do I so they bumped me up from a day player to a guest star, which is basically they just hire you rehire you every week. Um, but I was in every single episode, and uh, and then I I went off and did a pilot for another show. That show didn't get picked up, and then they they picked they they. Um, Hired me as a series regular, start, starting in season two. Now, what's that like as an actor? And you know, you've been you're you're, you're a hustler. I mean, it shows from your plays and all that stuff. What's right. that like though? To finally, it's it is a stamp of validation. Even though you're validated, and I always say, you know, people talk about being in a pilot that doesn't get, get picked up, but it's like, right. well, at least you got a pilot. Like so many people mm. have never gotten that. It's incredibly pilot. hard to get a pilot. Yeah. And then you finally you get you get the pilot. You, you're a guest star. What is it like for you personally when you sit there and they go, okay, come on in, Keith. You're going to be a, season, a series regular. That must be an amazing feeling. Um, it was hard fought. I mean, there's a lot, again, dude, I don't want to make it sound like I'm being ungrateful, but I don't, those are not things that I think about while it's happening. 
I think about um, I think about the fact that I've been asked to be a, a series regular when I had been begging to be a series regular for the past year, and then um, so at least there's like there's some sort of job security going into next year. But then I don't know if I'm going to have a job security because the show's still on the verge of being canceled. You know, Jeff Zucker did not like the show. Okay. The president of NBC didn't like it. So the only reason why we stayed on the air is because we won an Emmy. And then the only reason why we stayed on on the air for the second year is because we won another Emmy. Like, we, we, um, we were on the verge of cancellation until at least season three. So I was always going, that's really great. And then we're going to get canceled. Like I was looking at like, I was, I was the Eeyore of the whole thing. Okay. Like, oh God, what's going to happen now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. So, so what was it like working with those guys though? Like you, you seemed like to have good camaraderie. It must've been a lot of fun. They were amazing. They were amazing. I mean, I, Tina Fey is everything you want a boss to be. And she handles it with such class and dignity um, and intelligence and fierceness that it's really intimidating, frankly. Um, and, you know, I'm, in, I'm insanely close with the cast. As a matter of fact, a few of the cast members who, who live in Los Angeles all had dinner together um, last weekend. Um, we became family. We, we, you know, fell in love with each other. And um, working with them was an incredible education for me because I was really young and, you know, not as, not as experienced as some of the other people. And I really didn't know. Um, I didn't, I really didn't know the protocols for working on a scene or, or how a scene got shot or, or any, anything like that. I, I was just winging it, you know what I mean? And, um, and I learned so much because everybody was so patient and, and kind to me during it. I mean, you know, there were a few people behind the scenes who weren't so kind, but they, I mean, that, that was like 6% of the people um, that I worked with, you know, um, so the other 94% of the times were were so supportive and lovely and wonderful that uh, it was it was it was the best thing that ever happened to me because my my entire work ethic and my entire um, craft and technique was founded on Lynn Redgrave and Thirty Rock and Tina Fey. Okay. Yeah. Now, what was it like working with Tracy Morgan? I, I know a guy who used to write for him on Saturday Night Live. This guy T. Sean Shannon, and T. said, you know, he'd always be up late working, with, writing with Tracy, and he said, right. work, writing and working with Tracy is like taking a when you're up on the peak of that roller coaster and it's coming down and you know it's out of control but you know everything's going to be all right at the end what, yeah. was, what was it like working with him because he's so freaking like even when he would show up on letterman he would he's just crack me up he'd just be saying shit that if anyone else said it would not be funny but when he says it you're you're pissing in your pants you know the thing the, that's the thing about tracy first of all like tracy is one of the most genuine open-hearted human beings you you will ever meet in your life 
And Tracy's entire motto is he wants to breathe funny. He doesn't want to think up some complex, well-thought-out joke. He wants to be able to... That, that everything that he thinks, everything he does, everything he says is just... Excuse me, it's just part of his comedy. And so... So Tracy's made it his mission to just live comedy. And, um, and so that's what makes the unpredictableness of Tracy so endearing and interesting. You know what I mean? I had a dressing room right across from Tracy. He and I were, are like brothers. I just, you know, he's one of my favorite human beings on the planet. And Tracy, you know, I mean, having the dressing room across from Tracy is not always the most <laughs> relaxing thing. music he has an endless parade of people coming through his dressing room um you know like and like he watches porn in his dressing room and and calls me over to like watch it with him like like the man is like totally unpredictable um and uh you know lives life with an exclamation point but um i actually think but when i think back about the people that i miss the most on 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 from you know doing the show tracy is the person i miss the most so as the show starts getting popular and you start getting recognized because it had a cool following and had a hip following what is that like you know for you know and you're still you're still young i mean when i mean in hollywood terms what is it like to be in a hit show a show that's not only I mean, there's shows that are hits that you'll watch and they suck. I mean, let's get real. There's some shows you sit there, you go, oh my God. But your show was so sharp. It was very uh, innovative. It was just, it was, it was original and it did beat Goliath. Let's be said. What is that like for you all of a sudden, you know, walking around? What's it like to start getting recognized? And it was probably, you're not like a soap opera guy getting recognized by old housewives. You get recognized by like fucking hip people. What was that like for you? I mean, it had to be a, eye-opening the first time it started happening i gotta tell you like like matt damon knew who i was before i met him julianne moore was able to recall um scenes that i did that she thought i did good that i was a good actor in like it's it was surreal it was surreal and you know like we never really got it in new york city because like in new york city you ride the subway and the same homeless guy pees on you and like, you know, like it, it's not, it's not glamorous to just, you know, be amongst everybody in New York City, right? But every time we flew to LA for an award show or, or a press conference or something, people would stop us and, and, you know, people in the industry would stop us and really compliment us. So it was always this magical thing that we would like touch down into. And... Uh, you know, like being a young guy in the middle of all that, <clears throat> I was just, you know, I was just happy to be along for the ride and that I got to wear a tuxedo and, and you know, used it as a great way to bring hot dates to a wood right. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like you know, I, and, and it's, and, you know, I, and one of the, oh, I guess it wasn't. I was going to say one of the first, but, but I started taking my, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, my wife, 
to these award shows, and it became a fun thing for us where we'd be like, all right, so what are you going to wear? For, you know, what are you going to wear for this? And that was a great thing for as a as a, a young guy to be able to to you know do for his girlfriend. You know what I mean? What was working like with Baldwin like? Because Alec Baldwin's a guy who's you know when you think about Baldwin, he's really reinvented himself many times. People who are younger don't understand that, but I mean, he was in the movies. I mean, if I'm 52, and you know, he's been around forever. Oh yeah, and, and he's but he he was for a while. He was like the heart. He's reinventing himself today. You know, he's hosting a game show now. See, it's just oh yeah, he's hosting. Um, my friend just won twenty five thousand dollars on that. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So, what was it like working with him? Because there's a guy who, honestly, you know, you always think of him as a dramatic actor. He's got comedy chops out the ass. Even going back to the SNL when he would sweaty balls and all that, the oh guy God. knows how to deliver a line. What's it like to work with someone who is iconic? I mean, that must be yeah. something amazing for you too when you're younger and you can watch and learn. Well, you know, Alec. Alec was a force of nature. Right. I mean, uh, so for the first couple of years, I just did not want to be in his path if, in case he got upset. <laughs> right. Um, I, so all I was doing in the first couple of years was just going like, you know, minding my P's and Q's and, and not saying much. Um, but but I will tell you. Watching him, the thing that I learned the most from Alec, and and you know, like subsequently, like Alec and I became really good friends, and and um, found out that he, you know, that he's not as much of a force of nature as I originally thought, and that that he's just, you know, that, that he's a genuine person and and wears his heart on his sleeve. But the thing about um, the thing about Alec that I learned the most while watching him work that has always stayed with me is that man knows how to give just enough in his performance at certain moments for it to cut together incredibly well. Like he, he, he just got the rhythm of filming and he would go, all right, I'm only going to give you half here because you're going to get this side of my face. You know, I'm going to give you full here because you've got me in a medium shot I'm going to, like, he, he understood what part of him to give at what moment. And I thought that I was masterful, just masterful to watch. So you're doing the show, you're learning a lot, and then you decide to do a, uh, a web series, the Keith Powell directs a play. Right. Now, how did that come up? Is that something that you said, okay, I have, I can do this now? And was it based on you when you were... It was it based on your Wilmington days of yes. producing stuff? And and how did you how did you put your name? I love the I love when people say they're like third person. How did you yeah, decide yeah, yeah. just to do Keith Fowler? I mean, and and what what did you do in this? And how how long did it take to put together? Oh man, um, um, that was the very first web series I did, and it was basically a friend of mine came to me and said it was during the writer strike, so. Web series were, was all we could do, and um, and a friend of mine came to me and said, "Do you want to do this?" I said, "Why not?" Um, and we thought it would be really funny if we make fun of my theater days and 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 make my make me be a, a incredibly vain and arrogant and egotistical person who actually always fails up. Okay, and you know, like always somehow like 
delivers brilliance even though he is completely too self-centered to even notice what he's doing. I mean, you know, kind of like the Donald Trump of, of, of the theater world. Okay. <laughs> and, and I got to interrupt you. Isn't it just amazing? I mean, oh I, I watch it and it's just, you're, you're, you're so dead on it's what you just said. Bit. It's, it's for, a bit. for it's me. Really, yeah. I said, it's like Ron Livingston's character in office space. It totally is, man. And I kind of like, I, I listen, man, I can talk about politics for hours. Um, but but watching Trump, it it, it would be the best comedy. Um, um, it would be the best, just you know, Lenny Bruce uh, uh, kind of live action performance if it wasn't so fucking scary. Right. <laughs> um, that this man like could have his like finger on nuclear codes, but he is just. I. It's just. It's a. It is a. It is. It's. 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 It's staggering. I, I can't. He. I'm wordless. It's staggering. But um. But so, anyway. So your character was your character is somewhat like him. Just implodes, yeah. but then, for yeah. some reason, but somehow everybody they go, loves "Oh my god, that was brilliant!" Exactly. Exactly. And so you know, we just did it. Um. Um. Aubrey Plaza. Uh, um. You know, I've known Aubrey Plaza since she was about 12. And, you know, it was, I swear to God, this is what happened. Aubrey came back to Delaware. We shot it in Delaware. Aubrey came back to Delaware to shoot it with us. And the next day, she's like, I'm going to do, to do these meetings in, in L.A. Uh, for a movie called Funny People and for a show called, called Parks and Recreation. I hope I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so yeah, so so Aubrey got on a plane the next day to go and audition for Parks and Recreation. Crazy, yeah, it was crazy. And um, um, so we did it, and um, you know, I mean, it was it was one of those things where I just it was a friend of mine said, "Let's do it," and I said, "Sure, let's do it," and then we did it. Um. And you know it was it was fun. It was fun to do. It was, it was just, you know so it was so relieving to do something with friends with people you've known all your whole life. You know? Now as you're doing that, also you know, I just I meant Thirty Rock uh, continuing. What was it like when you know you knew it was going to end? Because you must have been so close. And I always talk to people who've done shows for many years, yeah. and it's it's not only with the other actors; it's with the crew. What was the whole? Did Thirty Rock decide in the beginning how many seasons they would do, or what was the whole? Um, we, we had it better than other shows where we knew at the beginning of the seventh season that it would be the last. So we weren't canceled like in, like in the middle and like blue ball, you know what I mean? Like we, we did know we were going into our last season and I'm going to be honest with you. I was absolutely depressed. I was completely depressed. I thought my life was, I thought my career was over. Um, um, and you know, uh, you know, we went and I bought a house in Los Angeles. So I was flying back and forth from LA to New York to do the last season. And it was painful. It was painful. It was painful. It was a painful, it was painful. Um, uh, and, 
and you know my life was changing dramatically at that point because I was also getting married uh, I sold my apartment in New York um, we bought this house it was it was it was and the show was ending and it was just it was painful it was hard so it once it ends what do you decide you have to do I mean, because, you know, you're still, I mean, it's like anything. You're still, you were part of a hot show. So it's not like you don't have any buzz about you. I mean, you know, what What are you, in your mind, which direction do you want to go? Do you want to, I mean, do you sit there and say, I would like to be in another sitcom or I want to try drama? I mean, what is going on through, or maybe did you ever think you might want well, to do theater again? Yeah, I mean, I thought about all that. Um, but honestly, I just, I wanted to go where the wind took me. You know what I mean? Like, I... Um, I wanted to be in a room with people that wanted me. And so I, I, um, I didn't work for a year. And then almost a year to the day of my last day on 30 Rock, I got a phone call out of the blue for an offer to, to recur on um, About a Boy. The show about a boy on NBC. It, it lasted for two seasons. It's a good show. My girlfriend yeah, used to watch it all the time. It was, it was a solid show. It was a solid show, um, and I loved that crew. And um, and so I did a battle of boy, and uh, and it rescued me because I, I realized that you know like that there is life after Thirty Rock. And and while I was doing about a boy, I went. I said to myself, you know what? I would really love to direct. I would really love to direct television. And so I started down that path. I started. Um, uh, looking into directing episodic television. Now, why do you think, I mean, it seems like a lot of actors go that route too. What is it that made you want to go that route? Just because you love the process, you have a background in theater, you've directed theater. What made you sit there and go, you know what? I want to be a director because it's it's a lot longer of a day. We're going to say that. But Oh my God, it is. I mean, it's like 18 times longer. And, you but, know, my, my quote currently for an episode is more as an actor than it is as a director, so it's less money too. So, how do you crack into that? Seeing that you know you, you I mean, you did you didn't direct any of the Thirty Rock episodes, right? Mm-mm. So, so, no. so, how do you go about it? Because you know, people, you know, they remember you from the show, but they don't really remember you directing. How do you try to get in the open and open doors to get this done? I'm, I'm, well, I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm still trying to figure that out. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a, a program um, through NBC. Right now, and it's a, a directing program uh, where NBC basically, um, you know, brings minority directors in to shadow other shows in the hopes of directing an episode. And um, um, and so we'll see, you know, how that goes. I, I'll do some other programs that would do the same thing. Um, I. I directed a, a, new, a web series, a new web series that I'm infinitely proud of um, called Keith Brooker's Leg. Yeah, well, t- tell, tell, tell my listeners about that and tell me, and once again, it seems like i, I done some yeah. reading on it. It seems like a great idea and you have your name in there, which is always great. How- oh, well, yeah, so I mean, you know, that was the thing. Like once I established that, like, you know, my, my stuff um, would have my name in it, I, I, I think it's now just funny to... to 
to always name a web series after after me. Frankly, <laughs> I, maybe I am. I, maybe I'm the only person who thinks that's funny. <laughs> well, actually, you know, it's funny. Years ago, when the internet came out, I I was in a web series. It was called Steve Cooper, not so funny guy, and I played oh, great. A, a really bad comedian. And my buddy edited it and directed it, and it was great. I just fucked around, and he just when I saw it, I went, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" But I loved it. it's just the name's funny when it says, you know, Keith oh, Baller. Yeah. See, it just makes it it makes us seem so full of ourselves. Well, but like my well, the character wasn't. <laughs> well, that's why I, I mean, I you know, I named this I named this show Keith broke his leg because I thought it was kind of funny. Like I thought it was funny, you know, to that that you name it something um you know like it's such an arrogant thing to name a show after you and then to make it where like you know like where it, it has an injury attached to it you know <laughs> but um um honestly i did keep broke his leg because it was art are um creatively fulfilling uh, i wanted to tell stories about my life um that i don't think that the the current um, dialogue explores. Uh, I, I think that people. I think that my experiences as a non stereotypical minority um, uh, is really funny and interesting, and and I wanted to to show to tell those stories, um, and um, I wanted to do it in my own way. I didn't want to do it in any other. I I, I wanted to tell comedy in the way that I like to tell comedy, which is very honest and grounded and you build to a joke um it's not you don't immediately assume that an audience um will find you funny you you earn you earn their trust um in the episode and um and so i wanted to do it and 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 so i self-funded the first season uh and it was the most creatively fulfilling thing i've ever done in my life and um you know, I've used it as a calling card for me as a director, but um, it it's also a great calling card for me as a writer and and me as an actor because it is so autobiographical. Um, pretty much everything that happens in the show has happened to me in life, um, and I think it's really fucking funny. Now, how do you tackle the autobiography stuff? Because, like anything. We're all sensitive. You know, if you're writing right. something that's funny that is about you, and if someone doesn't laugh, you know, it's like anything when you say something right. funny, Amy, you get bent out of shape. How do you pick and choose, and how did you start that whole process? I mean, you sit there and go, okay, I have this idea. This happened to me. How do you go about writing that? And is there a lot of drafts included, or do you pretty well, much nail it the first time? Um, um, well, that's a couple-part question, because there is... Uh, I, basically, I always tell people that I, I put the, the, the events of my life in a blender and, and hit puree, and that's really what you see. So it's not it's not word-for-word things that's happened. Um, it's like little bits all put together, blended together to, to tell a narrative. And I, the way I go about that is if it feels dangerous and unsafe, it's probably a good idea to do it. Um, just because the whole point is that I'm supposed to expo- be exposing parts of myself in my heart, and 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 I can't do that if and, and, and you know that's that's a that's a dangerous thing. That's an unsafe thing. 
and and um, but I really think that an audience would appreciate it. Um, and so uh, and so what I did was I wrote the first I, I I you know structured the whole thing I mapped out the whole thing I structured it and then I wrote the first draft and I only gave myself one rewrite because my thought was if it's coming out of me honestly then we probably shouldn't fuck with it too much. Okay. Yeah. So how many scripts did you, how many episodes is it? 10 episodes. Okay. So now does your character build up throughout the episodes or are they all basically single vignette episodes? They are, they are self-contained, but every episode is about something. Um, And I say that in a very like, you know, artsy fartsy way, but like, um, I feel like the character of Keith discovers a particular truth about the world um, that he didn't learn before in each episode. And it's about something different in each episode. I mean, one of them is about masturbating. Okay. So, like, the truth doesn't have to be, you know, particularly brilliant. But, but I mean, actually, that's that's a lie that the episode about masturbating is, is just about masturbating. But, but, but it's kind of in that model. Like, you know, like it... It's not, it's, it's, it's about somebody kind of going into the deeper aspects of why something, why the world exists in that way. And they're all self-contained. Now, what is it like directing yourself? Ha! Ha ha! Oh, boy. Very fucking difficult. And I look like, <laughs> a, I look like a lunatic. <laughs> um... <laughs> Because, like, seriously what happens is, like, I turn on the camera, they turn on the camera, and I go, all right, I'm going to do it, the line like this. And I do the line, and then I stop and I go, I just keep rolling. And then I just do the line in, like, five different ways and just say, I'll figure it out in, in post. <laughs> so that's pretty much what happens. Now, would you ever want to get to the point where you could direct your own self in an episodic, or do you think that would just be insane and how long would you have to wait do you think you were actually ready for that because yeah i would like to get some more experience under my belt before i do it i do think that i i would want to get there yeah but i i feel like when you have millions of dollars on the line um you know and and so many moving parts it's best to just it's best to do only one job at that point um um until you you've you've got it so down that you can jump between different jobs. Now you also were on two episodes of the newsroom. Yeah. Now what was that like when you know? Because basically you're part of the right the people that slayed Goliath. What was that like right. working with right. uh, Sorkin? Because he you, know, you got to get you got to be a little bent out of shape. As you said, it was such a huge thing, and all of a sudden Thirty Rock comes out as right. this prince. What was it like working with him? And did he oh, did you man. feel he was Honestly, like <laughs> Sorkin? Sorkin's awesome like he he was yes he had but you know we talked about it he had such a good he had such good humor about it he guest starred on an episode of 30 rock um he said to me like oh man you guys really got it right and i really got it wrong (laughs) you know like he um but sorkin um uh sorkin's great i i you know the the only the only negative i feel like i had on that set was that like you got a note about the fact that you didn't place a comma in the right place when you were saying the line. Like it is 
he word for word, comma for comma, breath for breath, pause for pause, he scripts it out and, and that's what so what you see on any episode of a Sorkin show is is what Sorkin wrote verbatim, including the pauses. It's it's masterful. So it was it took a lot of my concentration um, to do. But I mean, you know, it was it was a fun experience. I really liked it. Now, are you going to do more uh, the, of the Broken Leg web series, or did you just? Do- I am. Okay. I'm in the middle of writing it now. Um, I, I, uh, I I'm writing a second season right now, and I got some you know crazy ideas, and I want to speak to, um, I want to speak to more things that are happening in the world and in our politics. Um, uh, you know, um, like I want to talk about you know. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement more and, and, you know, just different, different things that are, that are, you know, kind of happening in the world and showing a spotlight on the world. And, um, and, you know, because this was such a creatively fulfilling endeavor for me, I, um, I, you know, I feel like that this is the best venue to, to, to do it on. Now, do you write them all and then shoot them or do you write a few and then shoot yeah. them? How do you do it? Um, the first season I wrote, seven episodes, shot seven episodes, and then went back and wrote five more and then dropped two. So to, to get me to ten. Okay. Uh, but this this season I'm going to write all ten. I'm just going to write all ten. And now your wife's in it. Yeah. Now what's it like directing her? And you have to be, you, you know, because we all know, no matter what we do, the women always run our houses. I oh, mean, man. You, I mean, did, did she ever get pissed at you? <laughs> Oh, dude, dude, listen, it was, in, in, even my wife will, will admit it, it was pretty hard. It was pretty difficult. Um, first of all, Jill didn't like it, didn't like the script. And so that, I had to get over that hurdle. Like, Jill read it and was like, I don't get it, it's not funny, it doesn't make any sense. And I get just saying, well, trust me, trust me, trust me, I, I know what I'm doing. And then, um, and then, you know, cut to, you know, like we're editing it and I'm showing her cuts and she goes, oh, that's what you were doing. <laughs> but she didn't like it at first. And, and she, um, and she doesn't like being directed by me. She doesn't like being told what to do. Okay. <laughs> Will she be in next season? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Now, now, when... Um, but, but I want to say, and then of course... So Jill didn't like being directed by me, and then of course she fucking runs away with the show. She's all anybody talks about on the show. She's like, like she, she, she's her star shines so bright on this show, it eclipses me. It's like, it's, you know. well, that's good. Yeah, listen, I'm so proud of her. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. That's awesome. So now, what else is coming up for you? We only have a few minutes left. What else uh, we got coming up? Anything? Um, you know, I'm right now. I'm I'm focusing on on the directing program at NBC. Uh, I'm trying to, to to build a career as an episodic director, and uh, yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens with that. Now you're you're a Twitter guy. I am. Now, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Keith Powell, K E I T H P O W E L L. And if you tweet at me. I try to respond in some way. Um, I might just click like, uh, but sometimes I might answer. Uh, um, so if anybody tweets me, I will respond. See, you started following me on Twitter. I don't even know how yeah. you found me. I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. 
Yeah, um, I devote a certain amount of time to my day to just follow a group of people that may want to follow me back. Okay. Um, and, and you know, uh, people think that I'm some sort of robot or something because, because I now follow so many people. But I, you know, I, it's, it's plugging away every day. It's like 45 minutes a day just following a bunch of people and then, you know, hoping that they follow me back and then um, unfollowing those people that didn't follow me back and then starting the process over again. Now, where can people find your web series? Yes. Uh, please, getbroken.com. Getbroken.com. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, um, or you can just Google Keith broke his leg and it'll come up immediately. And um, now you also... Which, is, which I find, also find funny that you could just... If you Google, oh yeah, Keith Powell broke his leg. <laughs> the show will come up. I don't know why I find that so funny. I, it, it's just <laughs> random. It's like now, what happens if one day you actually do break your leg and someone tries to get the article? Then you're gonna go, holy shit! There's a whole series. I just want to find out if he broke his leg. <laughs> and now, and now you have a website also. Yeah, yeah. My website is powertothepeople.net. And what can we find there? Oh, you know, um, you can email me directly, and you'll see very pretty photos of me. I'll be, I'm very pretty. Do you look very good? You are very dressed very nicely. Well, thank you. Thank you kindly. <laughs> well, That's it. So, yeah. so, so it's, it's at Keith Powell. Yes. Broken. Um, and Twitter is really the thing that I, that I respond to most. So, so Twitter is really the, the place to find me. You can also find me on Facebook at Real Keith Powell, but I check that less frequently. Okay. And once again, the, the, the link to, your, uh, to the web series. Getbroken.com, G-E-T-B-R-O-K-E-N.com. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. This is fun. Oh, Steve, it's, it's been such a pleasure, man. Thank so, you so, so no much. Problem. So, people, you got to follow Keith, you know, and just go go watch old 30 Rocks. It's just so funny, you know, when yeah. you watch old shows, it's like when I watch old Seinfelds, you know, you go back and these shows are brilliant. You forget because you haven't seen them for a while and you watch and you go, holy crap, this is great. Yeah. So follow it, him. At it Keith really Powell. does. It really does hold up that show. Exactly. So we want we want everyone to follow at Keith Powell. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. You can go to my website www.coopertalk.net where I have well, I think 440 or 500 no 540 episodes up. Uh, so that's Cooper. Uh, yeah, CooperTalk.net. Uh, Tomorrow or Thursday, I'll be posting the Tracy uh, Guns, who was one of the original founders of Guns N' Roses. So I get musicians too. That episode will be up. Um, Also, don't forget my other website, StopTheSalt.com. You know what? I went through my heart problem a few years ago. Had to change my diet completely. So I knew how to cook before, but I had to really watch my sodium intake. So StopTheSalt is StopTheSalt.com. That's my cookbook. And what you can do is it's 120 recipes. There's no pictures to intimidate you because everyone, especially guys, look at pictures and go, holy crap. And there's not a bunch of ingredients you won't need. I use cumin, but the book doesn't have any cumin. So you can go check that out. Buy the book. You can get it at barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. But if you get it from me, I make more money and I will sign it. Also, uh, Instagrams, CooperTalk1. Words with friends, Cooper Talk One. I, I will play you. I swear, I love playing some people. I found some guy was cheating on the other day because he was like, there's this word power thing. And this guy's just making up this shit I've never heard of. And he's dropping like 50 points, 60 points. No one's that smart. So do that. And uh, yeah, as I said, go to coopertalk.net. Email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. Follow Keith Powell. Go, just Google Keith Powell breaks his leg. 
and watch the series. And uh, that's about it. So you guys, I want you to have a good weekend. Keep listening to uh, Internet Radio, you know, on all my stations out there. I love you guys are playing me. So don't forget, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, and take your vitamins. And I will talk to you guys next week. And once again, follow me on at Cooper Talk because the Olympics are coming up. And I like to tweet about that stuff. Anyway, you guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next time.